0: Podcast ain't played nobody. It's not the championship edition. Here's why: you like to future-proof your content. That's a new buzzword, isn't it, Bill?
1: Future-proofing,
0: sure. right? So here's what we're gonna do: we're gonna get ahead of everybody. Right now, we're gonna talk about Clemson and Alabama, the rematch, the circumstances. I'll talk about going to the Fiesta Bowl. I'll talk about. Uh, I'm not gonna complain about travel. Uh, it was less than ideal, but I'm you know I'm gonna avoid the full-on sports writer cliche. Yeah, dogs gonna- at the airport. We're gonna We're a the airport. We're gonna future-proof this episode, and I'm gonna throw Bill a curveball. I didn't tell him this before we went on the air. Couldn't sleep the other night. I've had trouble sleeping lately because I'm old. Right. I'm sorry um, to hear that. Looked at week one, 2017. <laughs> okay. Bill, I think I think the world is responding to the culture that we're creating in our locker room. Okay. And what I mean by that is, week one is more podcast ain't played nobody than I think it is necessarily. What's the analog for? Is there a podcast that like one of the ESPN podcasts, I guess? I don't know. I don't even know what they're called. Championship drive. I think is one of them. And what I mean by that bill is that 2017's week one is going to have a bunch of interesting matchups. All right. But not necessarily the all-star lineup that we had in week one this year. Now, I know what you're thinking. We haven't even gone back and looked at our predictions for the 2016 season. We haven't even talked about week one of the 2016 season in context. But you listen to this podcast from now until the next time we record one, which is going to be we don't know yet because Bill's going to come down to Nashville for AFCA, you're going to have content that's fresher than the national title game. (laughs) Okay. Marketing right there, I think. Um so I want I want you to give me a PAPNE scale on this. Now this is just this was just boredom the other night, but I fell down the rabbit hole because I kept finding games that were of interest probably just to us that we're gonna talk about for the next nine months. And, and I will say before
1: you before yeah. you go any further. Now that I'm looking at the schedule, because I mean, Lord knows I hadn't thought to look at the 2017 <laughs> nope, schedule. No, just yet. me. I, I agree. I this is a very yeah. this is a, a week very full of games that make you say, "Huh, that could be interesting."
0: Okay. So I made a list at 2:30 in the morning. Um, coffee. Um, throat clear. So there's the, there's the marquee stuff. We're going to get to the title game in a minute. Just just stay with us. There's the marquee stuff. Speaking of the title game, Alabama, Florida State, and Atlanta. All right? And this is one of those years where Atlanta serves up the appetizer dish, uh, like, like the Thursday before. So that's Georgia Tech and Tennessee. Uh, of course, of course, Georgia Tech and Tennessee, far more interesting than Alabama and Florida State.
1: Wait, I thought that was on Monday. Which, which game? I thought Georgia Tech-Tennessee was on Monday. Ooh, is that the Monday night game? Is that... Is that a hundred percent? well according to FB yes. Uh, I do not know where they pull that information. Here's what I'm gonna guess. You were looking Here's what I'm gonna guess
0: real fast. These uh, at this point, because we're nine months out, they these are fluid. These are subject to change. So I bet that I bet that bad boy changes. Um, <clears throat> not as much luster on that matchup. Michigan and Florida and Dallas. Florida's gonna be forced to play a game in September. West of Pensacola. I don't know what they're going to do. Uh, again, brand names. Marquee. Boring NFL stadium. It's not our jam. Let me tell you what our jam is. The annual South Carolina Thursday night game. Hasn't even been set for Thursday night, but you know it will be. Okay. NC State. That's about an even matchup. I like
1: it. I like uh, it. It's well, all- I mean. It wouldn't have been an even matchup this year. NC State was quite a bit better this year. You keep trying to you keep trying to bump South Carolina off higher than they actually were. I'm telling but you right now, next year I, it might. I like be what I'm seeing. Like it
0: might be closer yeah. to even
1: next year. Yeah,
0: I'm buying that South Carolina stock. Um, Colorado, Colorado State. That's going to be a game, Bill, in Denver.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, Colorado uh, replacing quite a lot. Colorado State, uh, you know, finished hot.
0: Right, but what I'm saying is normally that game's played all the time and we just ignore it outright. Wow. Well, goes goes on the FS1 on like a Friday night. I think that's where it was played this year. LSU, BYU. Yeah. Not going to be interesting. Uh, going to be a dismantling that game, by the way, is the Texas, whatever they call it in Houston, kickoff. Land over Maryland, Ral John. The Washington NFL stadium, West Virginia and Virginia Tech. Love it. I love I love everything about this game. I love every I love two angry parts, wonderfully angry parts of Appalachia coming together to hit each other and play football. Um, I I actually like the fact that this is being moved to a kind of secretly terrible NFL stadium in which a parking lot will be atrocious before the game. I might go to this game. I don't know. We'll have to see how good Virginia Tech is going to be. Uh, I love the fact that Dana Holgerson is still the head coach because we did not see that coming. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, Bill, that I I wrote down in one of those stupid prediction things that he would definitely not make it. I mean, he was on there as far as odds. He, people forget that. Here's a weird one. This is the, the PAP any goodness. Now, we're getting to the nougat. A Thursday night game listed, and I double-checked, and this is happening. Thursday night in Bloomington, Indiana, Bill. Yeah. A Big Ten Conference game. Indiana's hosting Ohio State. Who the hell scheduled this? I love it, by the way. Love everything about it. Tom Allen taking over.
1: Kevin Wilson taking over
0: Ohio State's offense. I mean, might go to this game. Salty. You know, start off the college football season in sunny Indiana where things happen. Wisconsin-Utah State on Friday. I feel like that'll be a game that we sell really hard that no one else will how good's utah state gonna be though bill have Damn. you done your preview yet on utah state and why right. not it's my follow-up are oh, they gonna be bad
1: well i mean they were bad this year so until i get further information uh, i lean on that and
0: strike um, it then uh, they, they do. they did
1: they did just hire david yost as their offensive coordinator former missouri offensive coordinator david Yoast. crazy hair david Yoast. um but, yeah, they, I, I'm not sure they've got the talent to keep up doing what they were doing for a few years there. So, I, I, <laughs> right offhand, I doubt that's a game we actually uh, pushed too hard. I-35
0: battle, SMU in North Texas on Friday. North Texas, kind of good, right? Chad Morris, angling for that A&M job. Shh. We got Tom Herman's debut against a complimentary personality, some might say, DJ Durkin. Maryland goes to Texas. When did that get signed? Yeah. When did, Texas, when did Texas sit around and go, you know what, guys? Marquee year in and year out.
1: We are Texas.
0: Hey, what's Maryland
1: doing? Yeah, that, that must They've have got been their, their house in order. That must have been during their we might be independent one day phase uh, when they were trying to go coast <sighs> to coast. I'll do the research later,
0: but I'm just going to assume that at the peak of all things Randy Edsell. they were like, mm, let's do that. I want that. Bring that to Austin. <clears throat> those people care.
1: AM at UCLA. Yep. Yeah. There are a lot of weird geography games. You got AM at UCLA, California at North Carolina. You just you're stealing the list. Washington at Rutgers. Oh God. You're just taking the Eastern, list away from Eastern me. Kentucky at Western Kentucky. That did not make my list. Um,
0: Cal at UNC. Only thing I can tell you right now is that I thought both those coaches would have different jobs this year. And then they have the same agent. Um, they still might have different jobs after 2017. Um, again, Larry Fedora. This is going to be the A&M sweepstakes. I feel like this is going to be the, um, the Tom Herman, ver, or the, I don't know who Tom Herman is in this case, if it's Larry Fedora, if it's Chad Morris. Fedora is from college station. Morris is an alumnus. Um, I don't know. But it's going to be an A&M sweepstakes. There's going to be a referendum on a next year. I feel it.
1: Well, I mean, possibly. We've said that for three years, but possibly. Well, here's the other interesting part about that game.
0: What the hell going to – what is UCLA in 2017 moving forward? This is a game that I don't even think will matter come the end of next season. I'm very interested in, regardless. So it's kind of schedule-proof because of the coaching drama involved. Western Michigan at USC. Now, when I wrote this list the other night and I couldn't sleep, my assumption was the Flexster was hanging tight. As we write this, and I actually need to pull up Twitter because we are kind of real-time in this business here on, what's today? Thursday? Mm -hmm. Thursday morning about 9 a.m. Central time, God's time zone. Fleck to Minnesota is still speculative. I do not have a line on that hire. I'm not chasing that hire, so I'm just watching things happen. I am talking to other coaches, but nobody... I do not have a line enough to go pursue that because uh, I've never been to Minnesota in my life because I cover college
1: football. Um, yeah, in flack the other day when, when Tracy Clays dropped his um, have fun up here in the cold, I'm, I'm getting the hell out of here. Right, and I'm you know, not going
0: to uh, freeze my ass off. So I have a right. question for you. He is yes. born and raised in Kansas. Yes. Okay, you are half from Oklahoma, half from Missouri, let's say. Same area is my point. Is yes. it? Is it
1: that much warmer? It is that much. It, okay, so my parents it lived is. in Wisconsin for like three years. I spent one uh, December January holiday from school in Minnesota. Okay, um, it is a it is it is ghoulishly cold. It is whatever it is here. Mm-hmm. It is twenty it, anywhere between about ten and thirty degrees colder there. Uh, it gets nasty. And so that was the most apt thing that Tracy Glaze has said during this whole drama of the last month. Okay, so let's say Fleck gets that job. Uh, I'd probably take this
0: off the list. Is that, is that too coach-centric to... Well, to,
1: I mean... Yeah, what, no, what? It, I don't think it is. I don't think this is a game anyway, because Western Michigan loses more than USC does. So um, it would not go on my list regardless, but it would be... It, it, it could be fun for a quarter or two at least. Okay. Let me use this
0: opportunity to do something timely and responsible and ask you: Did the cotton feel like you thought it would?
1: About I, actually, I was impressed with um with Western. Like they sold out to stop Wisconsin's run, and it hurt them when uh was when Houston went eleven for twelve passing, and Fumagalli caught everything within a ten yard radius. But um. But I was impressed – I mean, I was impressed that they were able to take what should have been Wisconsin's biggest advantage and negate it. And, I mean, they were able to stay within a touchdown because of it, but they just didn't – Wisconsin's – Western Michigan's offense is good and Wisconsin's defense is excellent. And every time Western Michigan found some success, uh, Wisconsin snuffed it out and said, okay, enough of this. Um, and so, yeah, I, I was, I was impressed that Western Michigan was able to do some damage and I was impressed that Wisconsin basically absorbed it and said, okay, we're going to kill you like this instead. That game caught no attention. I thought
0: nationally and like not on Twitter, not really in the media. Um, you know, sometimes those matchups work, but sometimes they're Northern Illinois and Florida state and right. Wisconsin gets no credit for winning, even though they beat an undefeated team. It's just, it kind of falls by the wayside. It's when that experiment doesn't work. Um, if it was a semifinal, it would have worked. Hmm. Houston and Texas-San Antonio. Yep. Frank Wilson on the rise. Major Applewhite has to win every game or Tillman Fertitta is going to shoot him. <laughs> um, that's just really the interesting local storyline there. Uh, by the way, the last time Houston went to UTSA, it cost Tony Levine his job. Temple at Notre Dame. Yep. Jeff Collins takes over. I don't. I have not looked at that roster. Um, Notre Dame is going to have a football team um, with a lot of new coaches.
1: Yeah that 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 is a very that is either a completely forgettable game or maybe the most noteworthy result of week one, depending on which way it it flips. There, I kind of
0: feel like it's the latter.
1: No, yeah, I I think they'll win, but I still I don't think Notre Dame's gonna be that great next year. But I think they'll win that game.
0: Yeah, but the thing about that is, Notre Dame just wins. 10 points. Anxiety persists.
1: Well, I mean, anxiety is going to persist no matter what. Um, and we won't know how good Temple is in week one for sure either. But That's
0: what I like about it. Um, your Iowa Hawkeyes against the Wyoming Cowboys. It's <laughs> yeah. like secretly a good game.
1: Possibly. Iowa usually handles the, the, the lower – well, they have for a couple of years anyway um, – the The lower rung teams pretty well, and no, I'm not counting north Dakota state as a lower rung team, yeah um so i mean yeah that, I, I meanwhile, I'm looking at Youngstown state, Pittsburgh uh because the that that has that was the most unlikely tight home and home of of recent uh, mm-hmm. uh of recent pitness when they lost in in uh, twenty twelve and then barely won in twenty fifteen so hey hey hey. Bo Pelini, going to be angling for a, a, a bigger job.
0: Two bowl teams playing each other in my backyard that I will yeah. ignore. Middle Tennessee State and Vanderbilt. Um, there's a couple on here that are probably not games, but they just, they're just they so PAPN-y. Georgia Southern going to Auburn, App State going to Georgia. Those aren't going to be games. Um, App State.
1: Well, App State would have beaten Georgia this year. So Well, that's the thing. So Georgia set to sign a pretty good signing class, right?
0: Everybody yeah, gets a year in the system. That doesn't, that doesn't matter. Hang on, the, hang on, hang, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang on, you're talk radioing me today. You're a little feisty. I like it. I don't know. I guess because when we record early, Bill is prime. If I get Bill past like 11 central, I'm good. I can't fight feisty Bill. If we recorded this thing at 4 in the morning, I wouldn't even be able to talk, and you would just be a titan of information. At State, notoriously tricky in Week One. Georgia, oh, hang on, I'm gonna sneeze. <laughs> Keep it in. Uh, Georgia, good signing class, big issues. Right? They think they have their quarterback. They know they have their quarterback, and then everything else is kind of like, well, we'll see. How much can they do in a in a year's off in, in a year's off time? What was their final record? I
1: don't know. Uh,
0: I think. You have to assume that the delayed effect of Kirby Smart's recruiting will not really be felt in 2017. Not truly. Maybe. You might have some dynamic breakout star, right? Maybe. This is why it's dumb to talk about this, but it's also really fun. They're going to have to make do and improve on that win total, and they start out against a tricky App team who don't care. App don't care. App will come in and fight anybody. All right? Little drunk short guy at the bar. Um two big problem games potentially. Boise State, Brian Harson, good, not great. Great is the standard now of Boise. All right, especially when they watch Chris Peterson go to the playoff. They're gonna open the season against Troy. Neil Brown, he's gonna have a job next year that isn't Troy. Second one, this is the murder alert. This is it. This is your week one anxiety bowl, except it only works one way. Texas Tech in Eastern Washington. Bill, I want you to talk me into why Texas Tech wins this game.
1: Um, yeah, they really need to stop scheduling good FCS teams. But That's a, um, This is
0: a terrible, terrible idea.
1: I mean, you know, they're not going to be caught off guard by any sort of style issues, at least. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's... Tech's in a weird place here they they you know not to speak ill of your boy on defense um but they ranked I think 125th. I think at this
0: point Mr. Gibbs soul is is left his body
1: yeah they they were 125th in defense uh defensive S P plus this year every time uh kingsbury makes a change to get better on defense they get worse they uh finished the season allowing 44 48 66 24 45 45 66 and 35 points. Okay. Um, and the two times they allowed under 40, they won. So it's not like the bar is is super high with the defense, but they're they're not even coming close to clearing it. And then of course, you know, Mahomes is gone now. So I'm not I, you can never really worry about that offense. They're going to have that, I think all of their receivers are going to come back. Their leading Rusher was a or their leading rushers were a freshman and a sophomore. So sure, I mean that's offense should be fine, but defense was as bad as ever, and it was a defense that had you know let's see one two three four five six about seven uh, seniors among their twelve or so leading tacklers. So I mean you know their their leading tackle was a freshman, maybe that's something, but uh, I mean this is if eastern washington i mean eastern washington has to travel a long way obviously their defense isn't going to make too many stops so i mean clearly if this is a shootout tech can win it but that's a grow that's a very very tough first first week game and he can't probably afford to lose it i guess right. it's safe to say i don't i don't really know where the bar is for him because he's cliff kingsbury because he's the because he's the tech hero and all that because the ladies love him but um
0: i don't know how much of that i don't know I don't know what that's
1: worth right now. Yeah, I mean, it shouldn't be worth much of anything, really, but um, a non-conference schedule of of Eastern Washington, Arizona State, and at Houston is pretty interesting because that means that heading into the Oklahoma State game next year, they could be 3-0 or 0-3. Um, and, oh, my God. Right, I mean, that, that's, yeah, that's I really okay. very yeah. unique. This is. Yeah, I mean, hell, keep, 20 keep 20. going, keep going on the schedule. Oklahoma State at home at Kansas at West Virginia at o- Iowa State. They could be seven and zero or zero and seven. Like those, those are both on the table when you just glance at it. So yeah, I'm going to put my money on zero and seven. Oh well, I'll put my money on three and four. But you know, if we had to go one way or the other, yeah. <sighs> Always trying to cut down my hyperbole. Uh, yeah,
0: Straight. You only. Let, I try to, uh, a couple other games. I don't really have many more. Uh, Kentucky, USM. I don't think that'll happen again, because uh, even though they're going to Hattiesburg, which used to be a tough place to play, um, I think Kentucky figured itself out later in the year.
1: They don't have Boom, though. Um, they got Snell. Obviously. Right. Got Snell and uh, Steven Johnson's back, and a couple of the receivers, or well, most of the receivers, I guess. But yeah, Boom was the the kind of the dynamite there, and we'll see if... Um, uh, I mean, I don't even know who's after Snell now. So, you know, it, it could be... man. he's a big dude. Maybe he can carry a 25-carry load and it doesn't matter. But, um, they do. yeah, they, they do have to replace at least one of the important pieces. And their defense still stinks. All right. That's all I got right now.
0: I didn't even finish looking because it was 2.30 in the morning. I eventually did go to sleep. But my point is this. A lot of interest. Not a lot of sizzle on the stake right now. You don't have... Florida State Ole Miss, Notre Dame, Texas, uh, Alabama, USC. I think Auburn played somebody.
1: Oh, Clemson. So I'll say this. Like, I mean, it was fun. Week one this year was a lot of fun. And we had – it was kind of just like a a little trail, basically. Like, we're going to all start here, and then we're going to go to this game, and then we're going to go to this game. Uh, And it was like a six-step trail that got us through the the first weekend. And that was fine. I mean, it it, – there was certainly a lot of excitement heading into the year. But honestly – give me a schedule like this instead because we're starving in the first week of the year. We're going to get into anything. So let's not, we don't need humongous games to get super excited. And in, in a situation like this, where you've got really two games on at any one time, no matter how they draw up the TV part of this, right? Two, two or three games on at any one time, at least one of which is going to be pretty fun and interesting. So it becomes that little Twitter game of everybody to ESPN two, kind of, you know, um, that's more fun. I think that's going to be more fun. Um, and the other part, of course, is when you have a bunch of huge games, you don't actually know if they're huge or not because you don't actually know anything about the teams yet, Texas, Notre Dame, US, USC even. Um, so we, we call them huge games, and we pay a bunch of attention to specific games when we don't actually know who's good. And, and so this will allow us to bounce around. I think I prefer this, honestly. So you
0: advocate... I think I'm with you. Taking because a cracker feeds a starving man momentarily. So, why not spread some of that love into? Was it week two or three that we
1: hit the valley this year? Two was a valley, and then two. three, yeah, was yeah, three, three and four we bounced back. I think three yeah. we bounced back. Wasn't that Ohio State, Oklahoma, and all that? So, yeah. uh, so two dropped off tremendously.
0: Um, I did not look at weeks two and three. I know that there are some big games, Texas and USC is one.
1: Yeah, so here's week two. At a very quick glance, I'll, I'll absolutely miss things. Uh, Auburn at Clemson, Georgia at Notre Dame, which is just kind of weird and very nineteen like late 1970s-y. Okay, um, that's know, one to Figure out
0: how that got signed.
1: Yeah, Nebraska at Oregon, uh, which I mean, who the hell knows? Oklahoma at Ohio State. Obviously. Yeah, that's the one I was thinking of. That's Pitt at Penn State, which becomes very very interesting next oh, year. Oh, kidding. Uh, TCU at Arkansas. So, yeah, I mean, that's better. So now instead of huge week one, uh, tiny week two, we've got, like, medium to large week one and medium to large week two. Then in week three, you've got... uh, Is that the Valley? uh, No, we have Texas USC. Yeah, I hadn't gotten... I'm looking alphabetically, so the first one I came across was, like, LSU Mississippi State, which, no. Um... Notre Dame at BC, Oklahoma State at Pitt. Yeah, week three is one of those, like, we'll find importance. Texas, USC, obviously. But uh, but that might be a one or two-week game, or two, one or two-game week, I should say. Yeah. But, yeah, no, I mean, we're, we're going to come out uh, at a, with a nice, steady... This is like binge drinking versus just, you know, having a nice tailgate buzz all day. We're going to yeah. have the nice tailgate buzz next year, and I like this it. More of
0: a late 20s, early 30s right. st-
1: steadier alcoholism. That's yes. right. Not, not at age 21, I can't believe I get to drink in grass in public. Right. Yeah, you don't have to vomit on yourself, just cry in your car. Right. I'm down with that. Um, we just spent, by the way, about 25 minutes, uh, the broadcast before the national title game, we just spent 25 minutes talking about next year.
0: Do you know why? Do you know how many national title previews are going on right now?
1: Well, and, and uh, we're, we're future-proofing. So. Oh, we're future-proofing. Now, that being said...
0: We have to tidy up some
1: business. Part of that includes
0: the national title team. Deep breath. <laughs> Clear it out, Bill. Um, in August, we asked you guys to help us with a charity. I bugged you about it. Like, a, I think I've said like a NPT or NPR kind of telethon every single week. I'm sure you guys got tired of it. Especially those of you who gave money early on and then just had to listen yeah. to me prattle. But you guys came through it in a major way. It was really, really impressive to see. Um, So our GoFundMe account for uh, Democracy Prep in uh, Baton Rouge, specifically North Baton Rouge, is a school that took on a serious amount of water in the flood. I know it feels like forever ago because we live in such a fast-paced society. We forget things. But flood damage takes a long time to recover from physically and psychologically. And if you don't have any money, it takes a real, real long time to recover from. So specifically what this was, um, was a uh, a charter school that's been set up and surviving and thriving in Baton Rouge. Year-over-year enrollment has in- increased exponentially. So if you're worried about that John Oliver segment on HBO, this thing is legit, I promise. I know the people who run it. They were in the midst of launching a after-school athletics program for these kids. Now, these kids are – they are 90 – Seven percent or six percent free lunch and basically that's the designator in that particular parish in Louisiana for poverty level below poverty level. so or above above and below poverty level. So essentially these are kids with nothing from nothing. Uh, they are the highest at risk to not finish um, high school. they're the highest at risk to become you know uh, if you're female, I think it's pregnant before you're 17 or uh, in jail if you were male before you are 18 um so after school programs and athletics specifically are a really big deal like a super big deal um this isn't just um whereas my child who has grown up in relative comfort at the age of two and a half and is basically a functional terrorist at the moment you as a parent are always trying to fill time and get activities to kind of tire them out or occupy them at least you can give me a spoiler alert if that changes by the way since you have a child older than mine I'll let you know when it changes. Great. Um, so what we've done is we pretty much on our own as the podcast ain't played nobody community with help from our from our um, brothers and sisters, I guess you could say at SB Nation, um, the folks at Every Day Should Be Saturday, Shut Down Fullcast, Solid Verbal. Um, we, we raised over $10,000 essentially in just GoFundMe contributions from podcast listeners. So this stuff's all free. Bill and I do this as gratis. Um, I think it is actually in our job title now, but it used to not be. Um, this was just done on a lark. So we got Bill's book going last year, right? And now we got uh, we're we're going to hand a check for ten thousand. Pull the pledge back four, up. Yeah, ten thousand four four twenty. Ten yeah, thousand four 20, 10, twenty, and there were two hundred and one people that donated. That's pretty. I mean, it's an
1: average of fifty-one dollars, by the way, fifty, almost fifty-two dollars.
0: And that's, that's what's awesome. Crazy. That's what's awesome. And, and by the way, if you only gave, I asked people just just throw in five bucks, like the whole cup of coffee thing. Seriously, just like one Starbucks trip or or one you know McDonald's trip, whatever. Most people didn't do that. Most people, and if you did, thank you. It's all money, um, but most people gave us like hundred dollars, or two hundred dollars, or two hundred fifty dollars. A lot of you bought segments on the show, which is the sweetest, dumbest thing I can think of because we just sit here and ramble and pull up things out of our rear ends and and try and cobble together an agenda every week. But in actuality, this is more just a kind of mental dumping ground and whiteboard for ideas and little orphaned quotes of mine and anecdotes of bills and asides. And so for you guys to buy time shows a certain interest in our ability to entertain which is terrifying the bar has become incredibly low i mean you can watch someone fall down on snapchat for free so we thank you for doing that tremendously we thank you guys specifically and i will say this before we move on most of you who gave money are not anywhere near louisiana which i think is awesome uh i live in the heart of the southeastern conference bill lives on the fringe we're still debating his membership um, especially because he slandered Popeye's the other day.
1: I did not slander. I just You said it hurt
0: your stomach.
1: I said the first time we ate it, my father and I, we didn't realize that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, unlike KFC, the biscuits expand in your stomach for three days. <laughs> ate way too damn much chicken, way too damn much biscuit.
0: How, many, how of, many biscuits could you eat from Popeye's right now? Right now? How many biscuits um, in a sitting?
1: Well, that's the problem. You can eat, like, ten. It's just that... And survive that, it and, like, not yeah. moan all day. Oh, uh... Without any other food, yeah, uh, I would probably convince myself to stop around five or six.
0: And okay, I, I, mean, into, if you, I thought you were about to say three, and then I was no. going to say somebody that else. Well, no. That's what put you in the SEC East.
1: But that's the problem. I, I we had so much chicken before the damn biscuits, and we were dumb enough to get sides. Well, sides that weren't red beans and rice, anyway. Um. Well, the reason, red thing. beans and rice is, is that's actually lower carb
0: than mashed potatoes or macaroni, so you can actually process that faster. Yeah, 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 you
1: got a little, yeah. you got a little protein in the beans or yeah. fiber in the beans and stuff. Um, Their mac and cheese actually yeah. isn't good.
0: It's not good. Yeah. Uh, I,
1: I, I, so okay. I, just, yes, no, I did not slander. I just said I felt worse about myself the first time I ate Popeyes. It was my own damn fault because I ate too much, but I felt terrible about myself, and that was it. I did not. <laughs> I slandered nothing. I slandered nothing. He's scared. I, not I will not get fired from this company. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding.
0: Uh, Okay, so Bill and I are both from the SEC. Uh, What I really love the most, and my travel um, expense reports prove this, is getting the hell out of this place um, and showing people that college football is so much more than this, like, one provincial thing. Um, Now we're we're about to talk about a national title game for pretty much the rest of the show between uh, the country of South Carolina and and Alabama. Um, But... It's like we ha- we got hundreds of dollars from places like Wisconsin and California and Michigan and like a bunch of fans of schools from all different conferences, people living in the Northeast. Um, I don't know if we got any from abroad that I can think of. Well, I know people living abroad that are from the States that gave, but my point is um, we don't – we never really had a mission statement with this show except that Bill and I both have a shared love of the the probably – I'm, I'm struggling here. Uh, items and teams and stories and people that are thought to be not important in far-flung corners right. of college football, that earmuffs alert, like that shit is our jam. We love that the yeah. most. And we eat the whole cow. <laughs> hooves, eyelids. <laughs> That's right. The, the little just- earring. I'll eat that plastic tag. The, brisket,
1: the, brisket. the, the brisket's awesome, but we're going to eat the whole damn animal.
0: Uh, so we've, we thank you guys a lot $10,420 uh, one small problem I don't know how to turn it off right now so if uh, you want to give more you've got a couple more days before I figure out how to shut this damn thing off so we reached our goal we did it um, uh, Bill we hit 10000 I was at the Fiesta Bowl so nope. what was that New Year's Eve so nope. we hit it uh, like 13 days ahead of time which was even cooler uh, and also for a, a month and a half, our donation thing was screwed up, and none of the donations went through. So we <laughs> hit it in really good time. Bill, I went to the Fiesta Bowl. I, I seen a Clemson. Yeah. Um. Oh. Uh. Last thing on Democracy Prep, we uh, our last two segments purchased were Clemson in South Carolina. Um. We can do those. Do you want to do next week?
1: Um. Well, let's, let's do Clemson next week simply because we're going to be doing Clemson this week regardless. So that, that, that would feel like cheating. So we will well, tell you off what, Clemson If we have time win to do or South lose, Carolina, we can go ahead and do it to South Carolina. I, I say
0: let's do them both next week because I think they no, right. both obvious, they dovetail because they're in-state rivals. Right. And they um, win or lose, I think Clemson is really interesting entering the offseason. So let's talk about Clemson just in, just in terms of the fiesta. I've done went to, I seen a fiesta ball, I've seen a Clemson. Um, in a couple more, maybe a week or two, when the dust settles, I think I'll be more interested to to try and figure out what I saw from Ohio State. But I really, honestly, early on, kind of fixated on Clemson. Um, I wrote a story about Clemson because they won, but I'm patting myself on the back a little bit, because I, I went into that game thinking Clemson was going to win by, like, nine. And then these... It wasn't so much, Bill, that things started happening. It was that things started not happening for Ohio State. I don't know if that's the best way to classify it or not. Um, The the defense is really good. It's really good. The front seven is really physically violent. And I said this in the Slack room. I don't know if you were there or not. It was the – I hadn't seen a live football game in over, like, basically a month or something or three weeks. And the one I'd seen before that – was Army-Navy. No offense to Army-Navy, but the level of athleticism here is like a completely different thing. It's one of the fastest defenses I've ever seen up front. I'm not talking about what they're doing in the secondary. So just the front seven. The way they were closing gaps, getting inside on guys, destroying lanes, QB pressures, one-on-one matchups, like whipping guys, stunting. It was just... It was insane. And then I asked a bunch of the guys after the game what their favorite thing to do on defense was. And these are defensive linemen I'm talking to, just as a group in the front of the locker. And they're like, "Um, honestly, dropping into coverage. We want to try and get interceptions. And I thought, Jesus, who made these evil, large robots? Because if they can do that, that's,
1: oh, my God they need to get better at that. I'm looking at their stats here, like uh you know dexter lawrence uh you know no picks stinks christian wilkins, eight break up, eight breakups, no picks, Carlos Watkins, four breakups, no picks these guys are terrible
0: they they wanna I, they're working on soft hands they're working on soft hands, basically, i guess I don't
1: know um wow i i mean the the the, the astounding part here i mean. I, you know, Bud and I for years have gone back and forth. Like, obviously recruiting is important, but uh, I can point to a lot of different ways that you can make up ground from a recruiting standpoint. Like you can play at a top five level without signing a top five class and yada, yada, yada. But where you start to... Where you start to see the benefits of recruiting, it doesn't happen to every top class or every top recruiting class, but the the, the schools that are truly awesome at at not only recruiting but developing. So, I mean, Alabama is actually is obviously the top program there. Either Ohio State or Clemson is number two at this point at developing the blue chippers they bring in. Because like Dexter Lawrence is the leading tackler on the on the line, freshman. Christian Wilkins is a sophomore. Cleveland Farrell is a, fre- a redshirt freshman, I think, but a freshman. He's a um, redshirt. Yeah, and Albert Huggins is in, the, is in the rotation. He's a sophomore. Like, the, the, the seniors, the seniors on this entire damn defense. Boulware is obviously a senior. J- uh, Johnson, the safety, is a senior. Uh, Tankersley is a senior. And Carlos Watkins. That's basically it. That's yeah, circle the two only, deep. Yeah, those are the that. only seniors in the damn, in, in the damn uh, two deep uh, at all. And this team looks almost, this defense looks almost exactly like last year's did. And that's astounding. Brent Venables may have been the—I don't
0: know, win or lose. Because to me, especially if they lose by another possession, if they lose to Alabama again on another possession, what does that really mean? And you know, it, to me, it, it shows how close they really are to a program like Bama. I mean, mm-hmm. Venables is probably one of the biggest assistant hires in years. Like, I don't—I don't know what the framework is. I want to say the playoff era—that's two and a half years, but. It's unbelievable what the. Let me say this: the philosophy of breaking the million dollar mark on assistants and fighting like hell to keep them, and turning Clemson, turning a Clemson assistant job, into a more competitive, more attractive, and more stable position than so many other head coaching gigs. Because now Venables is in the same cycle that Chad Morris was. There's something to be said about what Clemson's done there. And that's some of the stability that they've been able to build. Now, for years, the dumb SEC response has been the same as it, as it was to Florida State's. And we've talked a lot about on the show very recently about the ascension of the ACC. So here in a couple of years, maybe we're seeing a situation in Clemson and Florida State that Oregon and USC enjoyed for a long time before that conference began to level out a little bit. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe Clemson and Florida State are just that much further ahead, and they're better examples of dominance because they're closer to insanely fertile recruiting grounds, and they're so consistent in the recruitment. Mm. It's, hard to say. it's hard to tell. I, I don't want to draw a parallel necessarily because the West is more spread out. It's so much thinner in areas in terms of talent. But what Clemson is doing, what they have built, what they have spent money on, how they've, how they've spent the money, the fact that when you drive 285 in Atlanta... You see Clemson billboards, not just for their football team, but also to just as a a broad-scale marketing push for undergraduates. They are turning into something here. This is a different program. The Clemsoning joke could not be... We we could not be 180 degrees further away from from that. Well, if we were 180 degrees more, we'd be back
1: at it, but you understand what I'm
0: saying. Yeah. Um, This is beyond impressive, what they've
1: done. Yeah, I I, I think what, what Davos, when he has... You know, he accepted his mortality, I think is the best way to put it. He, he, so many coaches will try to do everything. So many coaches think they know the best way to do everything. Uh, he seems to openly, uh, he, you know, five, six years ago, well, I, I guess what, Morris would have been the first breakthrough coordinator hire. Um, yeah, because at that point, they had
0: Kevin Steele at
1: that point on defense. On, well, yeah, but on off, I don't remember who they had on offense before Chad Morris, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, he basically openly uh, figured out what his weaknesses are, figured out what he can and can't do, uh, and built a program around the things that he can while delegating to awesomely talented coaches for the rest. And, and that seems really simple and, and straightforward, but it just doesn't, it doesn't happen like this that often. But I mean, back to the defensive line for just a second. Uh, heading into 2015, they had to replace six of their top seven defensive linemen. Uh, the defensive line was every bit as good and they made the playoff or made the playoff finals came within a couple of special teams, fourth quarter issues of winning the national title this year. They didn't lose quite as much, but they still lost Kevin Dodd. They lost Shaq Lawson, uh, Austin Bryant missed half the year, uh, Roderick Byers. So basically that's basically we'll say three and a half of last year's top six gone. And they're, in the playoff again, they're in the finals. Again, their defense is peaking late. Now the defense had a few, I, I said, it's everybody's bit as good. It is, I think it is now they did have like their run defense uh, was hit or miss throughout the year, which I mean, again, if you're playing a bunch of freshmen and sophomores up front, um, that's going to happen from time to time, but they finished the year um, destroying a couple of like after that pit game, which really kind of seemed to expose a lot of issues. Yep. Um, where, uh, what was it, James Conner had 20 carries for 132. Peterman had a big day. Uh, they just, uh, they, they, they struggled defensively. Uh, they, they destroyed two bad offenses. They gave up 20 points combined to in South Carolina. They ended up giving up 35 but uh, to Virginia Tech, but a lot of that was later after the game was kind of salted away. Um, and then they put together one of the best defensive performances in the year, the week before the national title game. Uh, Absolutely stunning you can't ask for more than that, you know, all the trouble in the middle part of the year. I mean, they did give up 36 to Louisville, 34 to Florida State, 43 to Pitt. Um, they are, they have rounded into form and, uh, they're going to give, man, I like, I, okay. So last week's game, it was kind of funny. I wrote about the orange bowl last week. I mean, the Fiesta bowl last week. And, um, it was kind of back and forth. I said, you know, the, but the advantages are pro- kind of small either way, but, um, you know, you can kind of see how either team might get an advantage. Well, I wrote it and then, uh, our editor, Jason Kirk, when he was editing it, when he was getting ready to put it up, he said, um, well, guess I'm going to change my pick over to Clemson or something like that. Uh, I apparently made a much. I didn't even realize that I made a much better case for Clemson than Ohio state in the game. Uh, which, I mean, hey, that you know, makes me look good, I guess. But I, Genius. I, it makes me look less good when I didn't realize I did it. But I, one of the big things was that Ohio State wasn't going to do well on passing downs. That one was certain. And they didn't. Uh, what I didn't expect to see was them basically forfeiting the run game and making every down a passing down. Uh, and it that really, really did not work. So um, as many questions as I had about Ohio State, and I, I mean, I, I, I did not understand the play calling at all. Uh, it was very, very strange. But the way Clemson's defensive front was absolutely just tornadoing uh, the, the Ohio State offensive line, I don't think there are plays you can call to negate that, uh, to offset that. And so they were probably screwed no matter what. Uh, talk about
0: offense for a second. We, uh, we went into this video thing that I helped produce on Mike Williams. It was the week of the South Carolina State game. And so we didn't really know what they were, and they kind of got into that malaise. I mean, technically, it, it was during that malaise, and then shortly thereafter, we started to see it a little bit. I say that. I mean, they still put up 42 against Louisville. But there was a feeling in the Troy game, in the Georgia Tech game, um, I mean, in the NC State game, that this was a t- this was an offense that was more talented than what it was actually producing. Um but the circumstances of the Fiesta alone, it's hard to know if everything's fixed and fine. I mean, they put up 42 against Virginia Tech and looked extremely efficient doing so. Watson is kind of like we talked about with Browning and Alabama, except I don't feel like – I don't want to put it back into that framework. So on the last show we talked about as Browning goes with turnover, so so would go Washington. I think that was a little too simple, honestly, in the logic. I just think they were outmatched in certain areas. Um, but Watson is a quarterback that can 100% beat Alabama. He is going to have to mind the turnover thing. The first one's not his fault. Williams slipped on the route. He joked and told me, um, after the game that he's, he's like, must've been a rock on the field or something like that. And he just kind of smiled. I think it was just, they came out early and, um, I mean, most of you listening have never been to it. It was my first time to that stadium in Arizona, um. By the way, wasn't that the state? That was the stadium from Boise State, Oklahoma. That was the state. That was the stadium for the Florida Ohio State national title. It's got some history to it. It was last year's national title. That field is like shipped in on pallets, as they talk about a lot. But what that really means is, it's not like the the field, the turf is like not deep. It's natural soil and natural grass, but it's grown and the, the grass is very fine and very kind of fragile. It's not like the kind of grass that you would get in the like the mid area of the United States. It's kind of like fake. Looking, stringy. I, and the reason I'm bringing all this up was I'm walking around before the game and I was talking to a couple other sports writers about this. I wear cowboy boots everywhere, so I'm a bad judge, but it, you could feel how deep it wasn't and it was a little slick. And so, all that I guess to excuse my buddy Mike Williams slipping and causing that first turnover. The problem is, Alabama's not going to then take that turnover and then miss two field goals.
1: Well, so the, <laughs> they might miss field goals, but they'll probably return it for a touchdown instead. Yeah, exactly. They're brought, if you throw an interception because a receiver slips
0: early in the game, you're down seven nothing, either on that play or the next two. Um, yes, such as such as the fate of Alabama.
1: The, the turnovers thing is interesting because um, Watson. I mean, he's well. Obviously, he's thrown 17 interceptions. It's it's kind of funny though. Like what what Mike Williams has brought to the team has is a, you know a steadier deep threat, and what that means is I think and this is something we would need to dig into the, like the pro football focus data that we don't have, but um, like his passer ratings almost the same, uh, you know, for the most part, it's better on, I think, I think it's better on first downs and better on, on third and long. Mm-hmm. Like he's completing more deep shots. He's getting the ball down the field, mostly to Williams. Um, and it's just kind of a natural, like with, with that comes more risk kind of thing. So mm-hmm. it's not, uh, you know, it's, uh, but I'm curious what that means against Alabama because, the thing about Clemson this year is, is Williams is the deep threat. There is no other, their, um, their, their big play numbers are, are quite bad. They just, they offset that with big passes to Williams and with just extreme efficiency and not so only they extreme don't... efficiency, but the fact that like, you know, if they ever do find themselves the way I put it this morning in that piece, I wrote about Clemson's offense this morning. So third and say third and, and seven to Clemson is like third and four to most teams. Uh, because Watson is so good at number one, because he's got the the threat of scrambling for eight, exactly seven to eight yards every single time. Right. uh, Because they are, they do play it a little safer and give him easier passes to throw on those downs or he, or he chooses the easier passes. Um, They have such efficiency in their back pocket that, that they seem to be willing to risk an interception here and there, but against Alabama, they might not be willing to risk it. They might do just go shorter. And um, and I don't know if that's enough or not, honestly. The uh, the whole piece this morning was about third downs and how, okay, great. So third and seven uh, for Clemson is like third and four against Alabama uh, or in, in anybody else. Well, third and four against Alabama is like third and 14 against anybody else. So that's a humongous. Last year it went back and forth. Like Clemson in the th- first and third quarters w- w- got those third down conversions, uh, took the lead in the second and fourth quarters. They didn't get those conversions. They lost the lead. Um, I think that is the most important part about this game. Uh, and if they start converting those third and sixes, then Alabama is going to be under pressure to produce. And, uh, I don't know what they can do if they, uh, if they can't lean on the run, if they can lean on the run, fine. Alabama's your national champion. But, um, if, if they, if, if Hertz is in those passing downs with that Clemson front, uh, that's, that's very scary for Alabama.
0: He's only had four games this year without a turnover. No big deal. Because, again, I, th- I agree with you. They're going to get aggressive, and they're going to try and play with the, as many toys as they have. And so occasionally that means forcing it or throwing on the run, stuff like that. That's fine. Which, by the way, throwing on the run and breaking down routes and having a little chaos is the way to beat Alabama. Yeah. is cre- Creating space in the secondary is the way to beat Alabama. Um, when he has had more than one turnover. So let's throw out the zeros and the ones, okay? The games in which he's had two or more turnovers. Troy. Ends up being a six-point win, right? The game they should have lost. Louisville, a game that they won on one possession at the end, comes down to the last play with with Louisville on the offense. He had three interceptions in that game. Three interceptions in the loss against Pittsburgh. Two interceptions on the road at Florida State. They win only by a field goal. And then two interceptions against Ohio State. They blew him out, which I think is kind of throws off the logic of this. And Ohio State's offense was just impossible. Yeah. So,
1: so I think one he the,
0: he gets a mulligan, right. even against Alabama, you get a mulligan. I would not advise the mulligan come early though.
1: <laughs> I do think it's, I mean, it, I think that kind of goes with my theory too is like the turnovers came when they had to be more aggressive, like against, against Louisville, they ended up averaging eight, almost like 8.2 yards per play. Florida state. It was 6.3 Pitt, It was 6.6. Uh, those are the games where their defenses were struggling and they had to get a little more aggressive on offense. And, um, so they scored a ton of points in all of those games, but those are the three games where they they allowed 113 points in three games. Troy was a different story. Troy, that was just a, a bad game. Um, Ohio State it was like a bad quarter, and then everything settled down. But those three middle games, I think, are, are kind of an interesting study in that those turnovers – I mean, uh, you know, the turnovers will help – the opponent score points, but at the same time, I think those, that kind of revealed that they they had to be more aggressive because the defense was struggling, and that's when those turnovers came. So, um, yeah, if, if Alabama is limited and they don't have to score a ton of points, uh, if they're if their defense is kind of is slowing down Alabama's run game, forcing some punts early, they don't have to take those risks. They probably won't, and that means they won't turn the ball over. Um,
0: as far as all the dumb stuff at Alabama right now, this has been the talk radio point for me this week. I've done four spots. All all I've talked about, um, as if I'm some sort of expert on what goes on in Tuscaloosa. Uh, Talk to a defensive coordinator this week in the SEC. Talking to another one this weekend, hopefully for a piece I can get up Monday, on what logically you can do in terms of positive and negative switching coordinators basically the week of the national title game. Keep in mind, going from Kiffin to Sark is not exactly like a philosophical sea change. Right? They come off the same tree. Um, all this dumb conjecture around Lane Kiffin um, that is soaking up all of the air around the national title game. They're not even talking about it and how it relates to Clemson. They're just doing kind of the soap opera segment.
1: Yeah,
0: Is hands down one of the best things Nick Saban has ever done. Because what it's done has completely... It's like set up a complete... It's like a clone of the attention that your team would be getting being directed at, at like a, a scarecrow, a dummy. It means nothing, essentially, all right? Because I can just tell you off the top of my head, talking to Ed Ogeron this year, when they had to switch the playbook out of Cam Cameron and into what they were trying to do with Innsbanger, they had, I think, like four and a half days to do it. And then after that, it was like, well, we got a game, we've got a game, we got a game. And even when the Florida game was canceled, they could, they could modify a little bit of base stuff. But when the train leaves the station at the beginning of the season, that's kind of what you're going to do. You know, you can adjust for injury, you can adjust for a coach getting fired, but you can adjust. You can't wholesale change things. They're sure as hell not going to wholesale change anything. Some of the play calling was a little weird. By the way, they, they won that game um, by, what was it, 24-7? to Yeah. Yeah. They completely dominated Washington after about 30 seconds, So or whatever, however long it took for Washington to score that touchdown. This is incredibly stupid. This is all a giant sort of nothing, and it's very funny, and it's it's the kind of dumb SEC country talk radio stuff that Saban hates fundamentally, but loves to to set up as a proxy. And so, no one at all is talking about Jalen Hurts right now. Did you know he's a freshman starting in a national title game against a monster, nasty, evil defense? Uh, nope. I personally, I nope. Yeah. Nobody's talking about that. There isn't a single question being floated around about that. The Alabama media is trying to play as the world turns and the rest of us are soaking in funny lane Kiffin memes and that's pretty much it. Now, if you're Brent Venables, how does this work?
1: I don't think you change a whole lot of stuff. I don't think you change a damn thing. I don't think you change a damn thing. Like, I think this is something like both times, if this was something that happened uh, in early December, um, before the semifinals where there were three or four weeks to prepare, like if Kiffin had just taken the FAU job and left. um, Yeah. Which maybe he should have. I at that point both sides can start to overthink, and and that's where you know maybe you make a bunch of amazing changes, maybe you overthink and paralyze yourself. But I, it, when when this happens a week, barely a week before the game, you don't have a choice. There's nothing you can change. the The, the car is going down the road. Uh, I mean, there's nothing massive you can change. Same terminology, same general philosophy. So yeah, I mean, I I don't. I guess there's a chance that there's um, some communication changes, and, and they have maybe they have to blow a couple of timeouts that they wouldn't otherwise have to. I don't know. That's that's about the only thing I can think of that would change something here. But um, I, I just I, I think yeah. I, think I
0: really can't. Now that
1: I don't want to conflate
0: all this, it doesn't mean that there aren't going to run plays we haven't seen. They were going to do that anyway, right? You hold stuff in for rivalry games. You hold stuff in for, for bowl playoff games, whatever you want to call them, especially in a national championship in which you have such fresh film on one another and that you played 365 days ago. You have to change this up a little bit. Now, Alabama's offensive personnel looks a little different. So you've got that benefit going for you. You've committed some stuff to tape this year. Um, I think if anything, and I don't even think much of this, but I think if anything it hurts Alabama more than it helps them. Because there are there are weird voodoo like problems that come when you change things up. Because rhythm and consistency and and ritual are so important to college football players.
1: This is where right? it helps to so, have a, a complete and total understudy coaching staff. <laughs> this shadow staff that's just kind of sitting and waiting uh, for the you know the the head member of the cast to get another opportunity, and the understudy jumps in. Um, yeah, I. I I agree that it can't help really, but yeah, I mean, I I don't necessarily think it, it hurts. If nothing else, it will probably lead to them running the ball more, uh, which Kiffin kind of got antsy doing, but yeah, I I don't, I don't see him making a humongous difference one way or the other.
0: No, I think um, I'll put it this way. As far as that uh, analyst business is concerned, Steve Sarkeesian did not have to walk into a meeting with his players this week and say, hi, my name's Steve. Okay. Right. All right. That's all I'm going to say because everyone's going to get butthurt if I lay it out any more specific than that. Um, He's very familiar with those, those players. They are very familiar with him. And also whatever dumb part of this Lane Kiffin thing that you want to believe an overriding sentiment in the story is that Saban had the clamps down on him, right? This goes back to like 2013. Fourteen, whatever his first year was, uh, when they were running the offense through Amari Cooper and Saban hated that. He's not going to let Sark just magically, you know, go ape. Go ape. He's gonna. He's gonna put the same kind of restrictions on him if you believe that. Right. So, also, I love the idea now. I'm starting to hear, like, all these little chirpy things coming out from people around Alabama. And, like, there's some, like, Alabama radio guy, like, as part of the Alabama radio network. I don't know where I even heard this. Making jokes about, like, well, none of this surprises me. And I'm like, dude, he was Jesus Christ to y'all two weeks ago. Okay? So if there's some massive system failure or some indictment to make, put it on saving. Because he hired him. He put him in this situation. And then he he expected Lane to operate like Kirby would. That's where this, this quote-unquote problem came from, is that when Kirby took the Georgia job, Kirby stayed on throughout the title. Well, guess what? Kirby and Lane couldn't be more different. Yeah, will not even get me started. It's a completely different paradigm shift. Not to mention Kirby was going, if anybody should have been uh, failing the standards of one Nick Saban, it should have been Kirby because he was going to Georgia. Yeah, He was going to a conference rival and a huge recruiting rival in Atlanta, and Kirby kept his, his business together. It's really hard not to cuss on this podcast, so I hope you're enjoying this, children of our listeners. Um, Lane's going to FAU. Yeah. Now, did it, do, did he mentally check out? Yes. I can. I, I feel it, man. I've been there. Like, when you know you've got two days left in a class, or you put in your two weeks at your job, and you're transitioning out, you're not all there. You're just not. Do I really think that he was going to cost them the freaking Peach Bowl? No. Could Bill have called that game? Yes.
1: I, yeah, and, and that's the other part here, too, is, um you know, okay, so maybe the call-in was a little weird, but against the— No, I didn't see the whole game. Is there one moment in time—I looked at the
0: play sheet after the game, nothing jumps cool. out, and it's like, he's drunk
1: the third quarter was very odd because that was kind of the point where Washington was, they were allowing Washington to hang around and Scarborough looked unstoppable earlier in the game and they were, and they were putting a lot into Jalen hurts hands. It seems that was the third quarter was weird. And then they finally said, okay, fine here, give Scarborough a carry. Oh, look, he just went 70 yards for a touchdown. Um, so that was, I, it, it, that was the point where things got a little like it felt like the offense was letting Washington hang around more than it should, um, mm-hmm. and then of course you look at the stats at the end of the game. Hertz threw fourteen passes. Scarborough Harris, uh, Scarborough and Harris carried twenty eight times. Hertz carried sixteen times. So everything looks normal there. But yeah, there was a time when it seemed like they lost the plot for a little bit, and then they got it back with a vengeance. But oh, God um, forbid you didn't win fifty two to seven. Yeah, yeah, and that was the other part. We really, we really, the, the curve that we grade Alabama on is hilarious because they just, for so many people, this the week before the game, uh, including many at SB Nation, really trying to talk themselves into Washington being. Uh, uh, Washington, I think Washington's going to win this game. Um, they won by seventeen, and we tri- we we tried to act like that was underwhelming. Um, the worst part about this
0: is that if Clemson manages to win this game. It won't be because their defense is awesome, and it won't be because Deshaun Watson is an incredibly experienced, talented quarterback, and it won't be because their receiving court is deep and NFL-ready in some cases. It will be in the dumb backwoods that permeate the psychology of this stupid sport because Lane Kiffin screwed up on Nick. He did, he did him over, man. He cost us national title. Never mind he won you one, peckerheads. So it's hard to talk about Bama and separate the idiot context. And that's not my fault. <laughs> it's not the media's fault anymore. Because there is a delicate, intricate, almost conspiracy-level weaving of stupidity into this kind of stuff by the powers that be, specifically to distract away from the actual football game and the football team playing in it. I'm sure I don't even think there's player availability this week after yesterday. I think they're done. So we'll have a weekend of this, get distracted by the, the wild card in the NFL, and it'll crank back up on Monday. <sighs> it's the Alabama thing, Bill, and people think I have a bias against uh, the program or the school. It couldn't be further from the truth. Um, there's a long gestating feature. It's never come off the board from the off season pitch meeting of what life is like for actual Alabama graduates and how different they are than actual – or I shouldn't say actual – actual Alabama graduates versus Alabama football fans. Like obviously they overlap, but the context of that is always unique to me. So if you're a Tide fan listening to this, it's not you. It's just everything around you. Um, Maybe it is you. Maybe it is you.
1: So by the way, if I was well actually in you earlier, I apologize because I know how that feels uh, when I look at Twitter this morning, I wrote my piece about how third downs, I, 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 I very clearly spelled out, here's why third down, Clemson's third down matters. Number one, they don't, they're not going to get a ton of big plays. They're going to go four yards at a time so that they'll have a ton of third downs, blah, blah, blah. I kind of laid the case out. Um, one of the first response was, oh, how in-depth, no freaking kidding, third downs always decide games. <laughs> now, the other, when did you well actually mean? Um, well, you know, I was jumping in. I was, I was you know, you told me I was, I was getting a little salty um the uh the salty bill
0: i think hey right now at us listeners salty bill is a fun bill also when you fact check me that's that's probably for the good of everyone involved
1: i just got another response um saying well that's just stupid first and second down matter just as much like okay well you feel better do you feel better now that you've well actually me on the internet uh for i wouldn't even call
0: that a well actually because it's not that's that is just empirically false i've never had a coach in my life look at me and go well, you know, it was a tough game. We were 10 of 16 on second down.
1: But this is me we're talking about. I, I'm, I'm the big proponent of saying third downs don't matter the way we think they do because it matters. You know, if you're talking about third and three versus third and eight, that probably tells you how you did on third downs. So me yep. saying this about Clemson today was, um, well, number one, it's my fault because I, I don't always. I assume everybody's read everything I've ever written, and therefore I don't have to necessarily I, – I take shortcuts sometimes. But, yes, me saying third downs matter is different because I'm the kind of the one who says first downs matter. So, yes, thank you for pointing out the first and second downs seem just as important. I, I bet Clemson feels the same way. Uh, I hope everybody has a great day uh, who has taken the time
0: i I think not, is the universal understanding not that fourth downs are – sort of outside the metric because it's a different circumstance, but that first and third are, are where people are looking at.
1: Well, Defenses don't say
0: anything about second down. Right. They well, say if we can get them in third and six plus or right. if we can keep them from third and one, they never talk about what happens on second down, not because it does, it's not important, but because second down alone doesn't tell a story. The culmination of first and second down is your distance on third. Why am I talking
1: about this? I,
0: well I, I got you
1: rolling I, um second down is kind of a um it's kind of a makeup test like if you threw an incomplete pass on first down second nice. down i get, like that it's your chance to get into third and four and not completely destroy yourself um and if you get a ton of yards on first down second downs your chance to take a shot downfield or something uh because you know you'll have third and one to you know whatever so yeah that's kind of that's bonus points uh, yes, I don't know how, exactly how we got on this topic. But regardless, thank you, Twitter, for keeping me in check. Uh, it just in, on the off chance that I thought saying third downs were important was a very massive new thing that nobody had thought of. So thanks for that.
0: <laughs>
1: Oh, God. Uh Oh, and one more thing. When we say next week we're talking about Clemson, South Carolina, there's a chance that next week's podcast is really weird and or has guests or something. We have no idea what next week's podcast is going to be like, so there's a chance it's two weeks from now when we talk about Clemson, South Carolina. Procrastinator. I'll I'll just throw that out there because who the hell knows. I don't know. It's going to be weird enough doing a podcast in the same room with you for like the third time ever.
0: Love staring in your eyes. That's right. Um, Yeah, we're going to have to figure out where, when, and how. So Bill's going to be down here at AFCA with me. Um, won't necessarily be a ton of reportables that come out of that but um, it's really just more a giant networking thing for folks like us and coaches Um, a lot of handshakes, a lot of cups of coffee, a lot of people in windbreakers Um, after that yeah and my business cards won't get here in time so once again Godfrey's prepared Um, they know me Um, after that I go to the NCAA convention also in Nashville um, an even drier affair which unfortunately at least AFCA It's a lot of BSing and a lot of, like, let's go get a Budweiser at the Marriott, you know. This one's going to be worse. It's going to be NCAA administrators and people who come up with bylaws and stuff like that. So it's going to be dry as hell. I think I may bring, like, some sort of portable video game device to the actual seminars and then just go get people drunk and get information from them. Spoiler alert, that's how I do my job. Um, Let's see, Bill. Do we, have any, we don't have anything necessarily to announce as far as what we're going to be doing in the offseason, but that is sort of our January right there leading into signing day. We will pester Bud. We will get Bud in as we uh, close in on National Signing Day. We will try and hit that. I can't remember off the top of my head what we did last year. I think we, we hit it in the best way we could, uh, but we definitely let our recruiting guys kind of carry the baton oh, yeah. um, and kind of react off of that. Um I will hit the road again for a long spell at the end of February for meeting new head coaches, going to some new schools, um, But we are going to be powering down. We're still weekly. We're not going anywhere. Um, this was the time where, also, if you've sent us a question in the last three months, I think we've got what's our completion percentage? What do you think, I like think we probably 84 eighty four,
1: four, four, we're hitting 400. Do you think uh, we might've hit five, uh, we might've hit 50% on the, on the completion rate there, but uh, right, I we'll will no, I was bring box. something up when you finish your thought. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm rambling. You know I'm, I'm rambling. It's already the off season. Um. So we got like four different questions and a bunch of tweets. So I figured we should probably address this, even though we both kind of already did on Twitter. Um, One thing that popped up that made a lot of people think of PAPN was the relatively anonymously sourced piece about uh, the G five schools trying to pull together momentum for a their own playoff. No. Um, Yeah, yeah. First of all, uh, you know, I'll I'll let you talk about Aresco here in a second. But first of all, that doesn't that. That, that's the the you know the last couple of kids being picked for for the the street football game, uh, saying if you don't pick me earlier, I'm going to go home. The, no, but that's not that that doesn't that's there's no leverage there. There's that's not a, that's an empty threat. That's basically saying we're going to take our ball and we're going to move down to FCS. Um, so I, I I I I and again unless Mike Resco signs off on it, it's not happening. But beyond that. I will say that we always talk, end up talking about how the power conferences are going to break away, this and that. I, at some point, we're going to move to a team playoff. And I think yesterday, Boulware basically saying uh, you know, that would kill some players having to play a 16th game. And he's right. And that's something that has to be addressed in many other different ways um, or just ignore it, I guess. They could just ignore it. But I I think just, you know, from a follow-the-money perspective, we are going to eventually move to eight teams. And when that happens, if there isn't a G5 automatic bid, like, you know, basically, you know, it would have been just that, that top G5 team, be it Western Michigan this year, be it Houston last year, Boise the year before that. Uh, if there isn't an automatic bid for that team so you if you don't have a situation where it's like the, the five power conference champions, two at larges and a g5 team if you do not end up with that then at that point I think the G5 might as well go ahead and create a, a new subdivision with like the, the those five conferences and maybe the top three or four or five of the FCS and just basically start a new subdivision uh, because at that point you're never ever ever getting in. Um, but until that happens, until you move to Aiden, until you don't get the auto bid, it would be the dumbest thing in the world to, get, to, to basically say, you know what, you're not going to pick us. We're just going to go create our own minor title that is not anywhere close to what we say our goals are. That doesn't make any damn sense.
0: This is never, ever happening. Ever. I'm working on it. I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to get enough people on the record to definitively say that no. Absolutely not. Whereas I'm like 80% sure right now. Um, No, 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 no. How do I – where do I start? Um, And I apologize if I make you guys read this next week when I write it, but this is like – these are how the thoughts are coming. Okay, if you're a mid-major and you're Western Michigan, there is an appeal to playing Wisconsin, even though it's an exhibition or whatever. There is an appeal to knocking off a – Houston great example last year Florida State right Right. I heard firsthand
1: the G5 G5 teams are two and one so far but yeah
0: when when Houston beat Florida State when UCF beat Baylor uh those schools turn that into um momentum like actual real financial momentum and marketing momentum and ticket sales and da 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 that they cannot get from we beat uh, Central Florida just beat uh, uh, Bowling Green in the in the Tournament of Eight that was held on December 19th. Uh, no one gives a shit. No one will give a shit. I'm sorry. We love the G5. It's terrible. It's a terrible idea. The reason why the G5 exists is to always sort of be the upstart, is to challenge, is to create as much of an overlap in that Venn diagram as possible. We advocate on their behalf because we believe – year in and year out that there is no clean dividing line there never is right yeah. there's always going to be teams in the p5 that are substantially worse than the front end of the teams in the g5 yeah, the
1: top third of the g5 is always going to be better than at least like half of the G, of the p5s and i i mean i hate that so much of the power structure that we uh work with i guess or exist with uh was de- defined by you know who your friends were in 1930 i hate that um But, I mean, that's also what it is at the moment.
0: To do this would would be to cap off in many ways the amount of exposure and money that you could receive, the amount of momentum that you could create for your head coach. And uh, Granted, that would mean your head coach would probably be moving on to another job in the P5, but that's how you get good coaches there in the first place. The AAC wants absolute – first off, so the AAC is, I mean, right now without argument, the best of the rest, Right. I mean to the point where they consider themselves to be the sort of – they like to say that they're the P6, but I mean come on. Um whatever
1: you want, yeah.
0: But there's definitely a difference between the AAC and and the Sunbelt. There's a massive difference. I mean I've talked to both commissioners, and and they they both acknowledge the difference between those two conferences in terms of quality. So – for the AAC to throw in and say we are on equal footing, for a program like Houston, South Florida, Cincinnati, let's just just throw BYU in here right now as it stands, uh, and for those programs to say we are on the same footing as Louisiana Monroe, um, they're not going to do that. There's absolutely no way in hell they're going to do that. The CUSA thinks they're better than the Sun Belt.
1: That, yeah, I'm not sure be true. they're right. I'm not sure they're right, but yeah.
0: Absolutely. They the Mountain West is trying – I mean the Mountain West I think is more in favor of it because they're trying to – it's hard to finish that sentence. I think the Mountain West is interested in partnerships because they are looking to better brand the schools in markets because they are in far-flung areas more often than not. So people aren't just going to magically flock to their televisions because Charlotte's on. Um in the West, they don't have that. They're trying to get exposure, how, you know, by hook or by crook, because you're in Logan, Utah, and places like you know New Mexico. So I think they're interested in it just because they feel like the power is in numbers. Um, they're so different, though. That's the other thing is these G5s are all very, very different. It's not just one group that you know. They're highly dissimilar. Their needs, their successes. Um, I mean. I get in favor of some sort of classification when I look specifically at the bottom of the AAC, the Sunbelt, and the CUSA because they're traditionless, right? So the CUSA is, is, is very much just sort of a soup. You know, We don't really know what they're going for. We know that they want to target urban markets, but the, the teams have been so transient over the years that there is no real tradition. So does it make sense, Bill, if they, if they have a scheduling agreement like in college basketball? I think it does. Because I think the further they get away from living and dying on those paychecks to go to Alabama and Florida State, that's a good thing. And I think it makes more – or it creates more interesting football. But I don't know if you set up – a, I mean if you set up a postseason structure where your best team has absolutely no shot of being on a big national stage, attracting eyeballs and fans from Alabama and USC and Florida State and Texas seeing those teams, I think that's, that, that's a suicide move. I could go on about this, but, I mean, the the short answer is no, 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 no. Even Mike Oresko will say it on the record right now. He's not going to let it happen. So it's not going to happen because they're not going to do it without the AAC. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, again, we'll see what happens in a few years. But uh, the way things currently stand, it just doesn't make any damn sense. So, anyway, uh, it was fun, though, because everybody thought of us when when they saw that. Uh, We are hashtag brand. Uh, We are a strong one. All right, so... Next week, we will be in Nashville. We will be face-to-face looking in, into each other's eyes. I have, no, I have no idea what else will be happening. When will we will be recording? Uh, I leave Nashville on Wednesday morning, so it will probably be like Tuesday or something. But, Go eat some chicken. Go eat some you know, hot chicken. Uh, and then uh, stay near a bathroom the rest of the afternoon and evening, I guess. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to do it before your flight. Yeah. Well, yeah.
0: Uh, anyway
1: so I mean I guess technically maybe we just run out of time or we, we flake out and then we record a normal episode next Thursday as well who, who the hell knows uh, we're going to fly by the seat of our pants here it's Woo! and I uh, hope everybody enjoys the national title game hope everybody enjoys James Madison Youngstown State uh, I'm sure we'll figure out a way to talk about that a little bit next week too
0: hell yeah we didn't preview it but I'm down for that we, I really feel like we just failed our brand by not
1: talking about it but we will <laughs> definitely talk about it next week maybe we were too busy living up to our brand in many other ways. So anyway, all right. all right, y'all. You want to do this again next week? Oh, hell yeah. All right. We'll, we'll see you guys.